Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. You just need one, just for yourself. It's going. It's going. It is uh, It is 7 o'clock Central Time here in the great Midwest. Uh, only one day left in the work week. Um, we're now four days past... Um, Past our, All right, uh, me too. Our, All right, uh, so identical on, brew sir? days from across the country, and uh, I'm quite pleased with the results so far. How's everything on your end? Uh, everything on my end is going well. I, uh, I, my uh, fermentation really kicked off really well and is just, you know, going nuts. Has been for the past couple days, uh, probably two days, and it's, uh, it's, it's. I got a really nice manageable croisin, so it's not anything that's gonna blow up or anything like that, and it's really going well. Nice, good deal. Did you take any? Yeah. I know we we can post it later on in the episode, but did you uh, take any stills of the fermentation? You know, I haven't taken any stills of the fermentation. I I, I showed Hannah when I was on a uh uh. uh phone call video call with her but i haven't actually taken any stills of it i probably should yeah considering that we're fermenting in the same vessel i'd be very interested interested to see how close they are you saw the one i sent you right i did yeah and that seemed to be going really well too now you had you had mentioned (coughs) when we talked before that uh, well actually i had mentioned about using firm cap when you go ahead and uh you before you pitch your yeast yeah did you do that no okay no i did not and oh you did not i wanted okay. to bring this up on the show because i only know about firm cap from my one brew day that i spent at will county brewing company with our friend joel and okay. firm cap firm caps other usage is during the hot break to control the the amount of foam that's produced when the liquid gets up to 200 degrees. And I ignorantly thought that that was firm cap's purpose. I didn't even, I, I didn't think as far as to what the application is during fermentation. Yeah, and it does the same thing when you do fermentation. So, um, and I've actually never used it, although it's a decent idea to try it when it comes to the hot break. Um, but when it, but in the fermentation, especially in a vessel like that where it's wide and squat, using that helps to control the the croissant so it doesn't over foam and clog up the airlock and explode like what happened in my basement all those years ago <laughs> so it really does help with that and helps to keep everything manageable and under the line of you know where it's going to start to clog things up will it go as far as to stop croissant from developing you know in my first one it did well no it went it, it developed in these little like mounds all over the place it was kind of strange but you could definitely tell that it was happening okay and it and it doesn't stop like the reaction that you have with the liquid that you'll know that you know that fermentation is happening okay but it just makes it so it doesn't foam up above the liquid too much got it okay mm-hmm. see i'm a i'm a mixed bag on that because I'm kind of like a child on Christmas morning when I see the high croissant come up from the uh, from the liquid, <laughs> and, and I'm with you. 
But at the same time, I don't want my fermenter exploding all over my guest room. So yeah, yeah, I get that. You know, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's it's it's and actually the crafter brew, the fermenter that we're using. Um, when you look at their introductory videos and when you look at their operation manual, they actually recommend using uh, firm cap s in their fermenter before you you know pour the liquid in uh what i tend to do is after and i've had you know good results with this after i take uh do that initial trube settling and take the trube off when i reopen it and just let everything go down into the mason jar i i open it kind of violently and at that point right before i do that that's when i add the firm cap and when i open it it goes down like i said somewhat violently and mixes it all up Hmm. and that's usually because i forget to add in the firm cap before i pour the liquid in got it okay it does make some sense to me why it's probably more effective when you do that first before you add the liquid but i I see i see what you're saying too if you if you pour it more aggressively you know you'll probably get a get a better mixture doing that so no that makes sense yeah and so i mean one of the things that um i really like about this is uh, did you did you rack into the fermenter or did you just pour i poured okay great i poured so i did i took your advice i mean there was nothing left behind everything that was in that kettle ended up in the uh catalyst i did the same thing and i always do that and i i do that for a couple of reasons one it's actually designed that way that you can capture that trube in the mason jar at the bottom but also it maybe not as effectively as like running oxygen through it or anything but it aerates the wort as it goes in that's okay that's interesting i didn't think of that yeah Yeah, because if you're going through an airtight siphon then yeah you don't have that accident oxygen exposure right but when you're literally pouring it in and it's hitting the bottom and it's mixing up you know you're at least on some level aerating the wort that's a good point you know one thought i had later that night after the brew day was over and after you know everything was just settling in the catalyst i remember like at the very end of the day i felt like an idiot and it was because i was thinking back to that that hop catcher that you have oh the site the spider Yeah, yeah yeah and i think i think to some degree you're a leg up on me because you used use that especially with the catalyst where you have the the jar on the bottom see Mm -hmm. knowing that that was there you know i've got a full hop filled liquid that's going right into the catalyst you know at the same time as as the liquid um true i feel like that's added time with the hops even though it's just settling down i do feel like i created a little bit of additional work for myself um not using that hop catcher and and i told myself that will be the last brew day that I ever I ever participate in without one of those. You know, and for me, it was kind of an impulse buy. You know, I I, I order from more beer uh, because I don't uh, around here. I don't have like a viable. He's a mail um, order brewer. I am. I'm a mail order brewer, and I'm okay with that. And so I order from usually from more beer and and they can get things to me in a day from their warehouse and it's free so long as it's over a certain dollar limit and I was just under that for this and so 
one time I ordered a hat. <laughs> that was literally like a five dollar hat. Um, but this time, I you know this came up as like a related item, and I thought, why why not? I mean, it it seems like a, a decent enough idea, and I ordered it, and I'm very happy with the purchase. Let me tell you. Um, the one thing I'll say is it's big. Like I don't know if you saw the pictures. It looked, of pre- me. It looked pretty damn big. I know there's yeah. a lot of different variants of things that do that same thing. I, I know mm-hmm. back in the early days, remember we used to experiment with the T-ball? You know, it's funny you should say that. When I, lo- when I looked on More Beer, one of the things that they have as an option is basically one of those T-balls that we used to work I believe with. it. I believe it. Yeah. Because remember when we used that, it worked out just fine. Yeah. We had, you know, and, and I have a feeling this is going to be the same thing here, but... When I pulled that spider out, it was just this ball of hops at the bottom, and it all came out with it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. What was the... Did we have a problem retrieving the T-ball, or... I remember that being short-lived, and I don't (laughs) exactly recall why we did away with it. I don't remember why we didn't either. Um... Yeah, I don't remember why we stopped... Why we didn't use that more often. We definitely should have. <laughs> I feel like I feel that way too, unless we thought of a good reason why we shouldn't. Mm-mm. Huh. No, I remember. Yeah, I even I was looking on Instagram at some of our older pictures, and there was a picture of it, like a Death Star yeah. shaped hop ball. I love that, that picture. That was that was so yeah. perfect. Yeah. Well, so. you know what? Uh, that's. I'm glad this this came up. Um, I'm going to see the Emmets group in about a week and a half, and I'm going to bring that up. How many of them okay. are using that? It seems to be effective, at least for cleanliness purposes. Or, you know, but the question becomes: Are you changing the effect of the hops at all using something like that? I, you know, I feel like I, the answer I, should be no, but I, I'm not totally sure. And I did some research on it, and it seems that there is a very, very slight difference in utilization. But you okay. know, it's to the point where if you added another hundredth or two hundredth of, of an ounce which is like two pellets or something like that which is like a pellet or two exactly that it would not, it'd be negligible yeah and that you know so that that's why i kind of pulled now when i ordered the damn thing i didn't expect it to be that big that's why it was hanging from my rack and not on the edge of the uh the uh, the kettle because when i tried to do that it was actually on the bottom of the pot and I wasn't 100% sure that that would be a good idea. So I decided to hang it from the rack so it could, like, dangle in the in the brew pot. Did it have a handle on the side that just they went around the edge of the kettle? It has a hook on H- it. A hook yeah, on it? Okay, but, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, you know, my, like I said, my brew kettle's too short. So it couldn't hook. It just kind of stood in the kettle. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's why I hung it. The way I did. Cool. And I thought that would be, you know, that was a so, bit of improvisation. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. it looked, I mean, it did its job, so, yeah, and I, hey, yeah. you know, what a, how, how important is optics versus the finished product, you know? I guess that's what to come D- back to. Sure enough, yeah. And, and at some point, I'm going to, like, put together a sculpture of some sort, and, uh, and I think I'm going to incorporate a hook to hang that on so uh it can be part of my brew sculpture nice nice yeah so what are your thoughts on our first uh cross-country brew day 
Uh, you're slow, man. <laughs> <laughs> I totally deserve that. I, I, George was light years ahead of me all day. And I'm not proud of it. No, no, it's fine. It's uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 we we had different experiences and we have different equipment and and you know you and here it was like 65, 70 degrees, and there it was like snowing. 35 and so, snowing, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah. So, I, I did want to ask you, uh, because, you know, I put this as part of the description for this. Did you ever get over the cold? Did you thaw out? Is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> is everything okay? All right. Let me tell you a story. So, Sunday, right. Sunday here in uh, the Midwest was 35 and snowing. Two days mm-hmm. later was Tuesday, and I was working from home, and my girlfriend was here with me that day. Um, it warmed up to just below 80 degrees and melted every last bit of snow that we got on Sunday. That's crazy. I yeah. mean, Chicago spring is an animal all in of itself, sure in is. my opinion. Sure yeah. is. Mother Nature <laughs> is one bipolar la- lady here. Yeah, a little bit. So, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, other than that, I thought it went, well, I thought... I. Uh, it looked like yours went really well, and, and mine went really well as well. Um, I, I we got a chance to you know do some recording and in the two different videos that we did, kind of show off our our setups and what we're working with typically. And you know, to be frank, you know, from a homebrewer perspective, I hit my numbers. I think I was at ten fifty, expecting ten fifty two. Nice and. So where did you come in at for a OG? Ten fifty five. Ten fifty five. Yep. Wow. Okay. Estimated seventy two percent brew house efficiency, and I nice. had and I had yeah. baked into the recipe sixty eight, so I shot above my target. So okay. while it was a slow brew day, it was an effective brew day. Yeah. No kidding. So I feel good. Yeah, I feel good, good about that. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you absolutely should. Um, yeah. So. Did you take no, a sorry, did you take a pre pre boil gravity reading? I did. I was at ten forty four. Forty four. Okay, so I was pretty much neck and neck with you there because I came in at ten forty five. Okay. So okay, I think yeah. I don't remember if I added some boil time or not. I think it was just a it was exactly at sixty. Um. Mine was pretty much at sixty, and I had a good rolling boil the whole time. Okay, so I was I was very happy with that, and uh, <laughs> in fact, I was on the on the live stream on Sunday. I was showing like how you control your uh, hot break, and I was doing great and showing it off, and all of a sudden it boils over, and I'm like, well, that's not how you do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Have we talked? Have we we, speaking of the hot break? Have we talked about skimming off the top of it? You know, we have. You and I have talked about that, like skimming off the top and just discarding it. Yeah. Yeah, I still know how I feel about that. Okay. Okay. I I talked. I I talked with Tony about this two weeks ago, and he he bought on. He had not heard of it, but it made total sense to him. Yeah, you know, and. For for those of you listening that don't know what we're talking about, um, you know it. There's two schools of thought when you're talking about a hot break. One is you know you you it's gonna foam up and then it's gonna reabsorb, and then the other school of thought is once it foams up, you can just take that foam off, and then you don't have to you know 
you don't have to worry about it boiling over. You don't have to worry about it reabsorbing or anything like that. And it's less trub that you're going to be dealing with in the aftermath of fermentation anyways. Right. And it's less, it is less. Now, what did you do? Did you do reabsorb or did you take it off? I took it off. You did? Yeah. Okay. But you still had a ton of trub. <laughs> you know why I had so much trub? Because I wasn't using one of those, uh, one of those hop catchers. Was all your trub hops? A lot of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, right. Again, I, I really feel like, you know what? We need an expert here that can tell me about such things with our <laughs> with our catalyst system. <laughs> We don't have to. Re- yeah. We don't have to re- reveal it here. But anyways, I I am convinced, and and I'll ask this question at a later time. I feel like it's the general best practice to not introduce hops into a vessel like the catalyst. And the way around that is to just use something during your boil to catch it, so that you're not, you know, l- you know, leaving your hop trub in in your liquid for an excess amount of time. You know, I'll say this. The first thing that I brewed in that system was that Brute IPA. And so there was a ton of hops in that. And I did not have the spider at the time. I kind of wish I did now thinking about that. Yeah. Um, but when I poured that in there, all my hops went in there. And it took, you know, a day or two for everything to settle. And then I took that jar off. I didn't catch any off, like, green flavors or anything like that that you would sometimes be worried about. That, that's, exact, with, uh, that's exactly where my mind went to. And, and that makes me feel better yeah. that you did not have that experience with your brute. Um, I wonder if you might have just got lucky or maybe that's, maybe that's a school of thought. I'm not sure. I mean, like I said, when you look at their instructional videos, they say just pour. So, you know, they, they, you know, most people, well, I don't know if that's a true statement, but they're not, a, I don't think any, anywhere in there that they're assuming that you have a hop spider or some sort of hop catcher. They're, they, you know, I don't think they're assuming that. So Probably that is, not. You know, but you know what? We're going to send some snow globes to each other. Yes. And do a side by side here yeah. and figure this out. So, <laughs> speaking of snow globes, do you have that snow globe that I sent you? That I sent out with my uh, with my courier of a wife. You mean this? That one. <laughs> I am so excited to see what you think about this. Are we? I drank, uh, are we? Sa- are we saving this for the? Uh, uh, episode intro or is uh, you know what i feel like we're pretty well into this are we are we just uh are we are we just going i think we're just going good yeah all right i like it okay yeah all right well uh before i pour this what uh, what are you drinking sir you know i've got uh, i'm i'm being lame and drinking my own stuff um, that's not lame that's, most- <laughs> that's what we, that's what we do here we're home <laughs> that's what we do i know i know so i still have my saison and now that it's fully carbonated oh man i am enjoying this i think next time i might throw in a little bit more uh pepper and a little bit more um orange nice um, but the gi- the ginger is coming through and you can taste the pepper it's just not quite there to the point where i want it to be how warm is it out there right now uh yeah do you really want to know yeah the i do to this? <laughs> 83 degrees 83 degrees today. okay so you're yeah. basically in summer type weather and saison like the one that you have right in front of you is really an ideal summertime beer so yeah. you got to be in a really good place right now 
Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Good. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I it, we've done, this is now our third recording in the last three weeks. I'm probably lying. It's probably fourth in the last four weeks. But for the last <laughs> two shows prior to this, I lied on the early part of the show and said that uh, I'm trying a new beer and I'm going to do an abbreviated other brew reviewed and both times was clearly an uh, like a full-on other brew reviewed. So I'm going to yeah. be the man of my word this time and this is not going to be abbreviated. I'm doing a uh, I'm doing a full brew reviewed of this nice beer that George was nice enough to send to me. Do it. Okay, so while you're tasting that, I'm going to say the backstory on this okay, one. Okay, so. okay. Yeah, Hannah was over at Lidl, which is a, a grocery store that's getting big in the in the U.S. It's an import uh, from I think Germany, um, but they, you know, it, it's kind of like a I don't even know how to describe it. It's a weird store, but anyway, they've got a, a random liquor section, random beer section, and she picked up a six pack of this and brought it home and was like, "Here, you like strange beers? Try this." <laughs> and I went through five cans of this and i still don't know how i feel about it oh so, oh okay all right so yeah th- th- so, so this was not like what is this this is brilliant it's no it's, this is what is this full stop <laughs> I don't, <laughs> so you know what i'm really that makes this a perfect beer to talk about on this show oh yeah for sure, and especially when we're talking about experimentation and whatnot this time around. So <laughs> I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about it. So uh, do you want to tell people kind of what you got there? Sure do. Okay, so this is from a uh, from a brewery called um, Grainsmith Brewing Company, and it's interesting because uh, looking at the can, this is contract brewed. So this is brewed and bottled by White Bird out of Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Um Grainsmith is in is in uh, untapped without a location, so I'm not completely certain which company is ultimately behind this. Hmm. So Grain Grainsmith is the brewery, but you, maybe they do all their stuff contract at the moment. That's probably true, um, because it would be clearly identified on the can. But that seems strange that you'd only see the brand on the can and not a not a company name. That's, well, unexpected. But anyway, yeah. anyways, um, Grainsmith, uh, Grainsmith Brewing, and the can that I have in my hand is a beer uh, called Chai Pineapple Stout. <laughs> and I think the name says it all, Chai Pineapple Stout. That's, that's what you got. Um, 5.0% yeah. alcohol by volume. Um, there's 171 reviews on uh, Untapped, and it's getting an average of 2.89 as a rating. Not two point. Not exactly not a standout solid beer. So, no, not anyways, great. for uh, for those of you who are watching on YouTube or or any other uh, video streaming uh, service you may be a part of, uh, I'm holding up uh, holding up my uh, glass of the uh, of the beer in front of the camera. So, this kind of pours. Li- I, I would describe this pour as something between a stout and a Scotch ale. I feel like it's kind of a happy medium between between these. I've had some porters that that look similar to this too. Um, the carbonation yeah. was was came through very nicely when I poured it, and it is all the way gone now. Um, I don't know I'll whether tell you to this, this 
Go ahead. I'll tell you this. This is odd. Um, because from a body and consistency perspective, I would call this a dry stout. Okay. But when you try it, you're going to get a lot of sweet. Yeah. So it's this weird hybrid. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. So to read the description on Untapped, stout brewed with cocoa nibs and blended with masala chai tea, pineapple juice, coconut water, and agave nectar. There's a lot going on here. Um, yeah. One thing in this description that I enjoy greatly is chai tea. So that stands out to me. Mm-hmm. And it's in a, the stout style, as everyone knows, is a, is a go-to style for me. The rest of the stuff here, eh, could take it or leave it. Cocoa nibs, pineapple juice, coconut water, and agave in beer is a little strange. It's a little strange. And I wonder how fermentable agave is. That's a good question. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it's natural sugar, so. I mean. I mean, it is, but so is uh, lactose. It's a natural yeah. sugar, and it's not fermentable. Yeah, so. that's a fair yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. We could probably do some research right. and find that out. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can figure that out while you try it here real quick. All right. All right, without any further ado, it takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> okay. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. I may have spoke too soon. Okay. I may have All spoke right. See, this soon. is what I'm talking wow. about. Wow. Okay. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. the The chai flavor hits you right on the back of of the uh, of the throat. That's a back flavor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's no way around it. There's a lot going on with this. I, I mean, oh, for sure, a lot. So much that I'm not sure if I can get through this whole glass. <laughs> Okay. I've been through five cans of this. You can do one glass. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing you didn't choose to like spend a night and get trashed on this beer. If I'm wrong, oh, God, please no. tell me. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. It was one at a time. <laughs> so up front, I'm getting that pineapple juice and the agave. So you're definitely getting that strong fruit flavor on the front end. It's very it's very just right there. You can't miss it. Um, and then the chai on the back end kind of smooths it out. That's okay. that's the effect that I'm getting. Right, but do you do you see what I'm saying about like it has the consistency of a dry stout, but it's also sweet at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Th- I, th- I think that is a yeah. that is a fair description. Um, just on a base level, just when I hear those details. That leads me to think that that's something I'm going to really enjoy because I like stouts and I like the sweeter beers. Um, mm-hmm. Scotch ale being a go-to one of those that that fits in perfectly and that description makes it's me true. like, okay, I'm in. Um, consistency of a dry stout, um, sweet to the point of overly sweet is yeah. probably something I could fairly say. Um and the chai, you make make. I think it's probably fair to say that it's that it's a little bit out of place with the rest of the flavors, although it comes through nicely. You know, you, yeah, you probably I could mean, say it clashes it is, a little bit. 
Like it's a sweeter yeah. beer until it gets the back of your throat. Then you're like, whoa, I just got this wave of chai. Where did this come from? <laughs> but it is one of those things you try it and you're like, I don't like it. Wait, do I like yeah. it? Yeah. And it's <laughs> <laughs> You saw that visceral reaction. That I yeah, had. yeah. Uh-huh. You know what? No, I'm with I'm you. getting further down into this glass and it's smoothing out. Mm-hmm. Like once I got past yeah. that first taste, which was overwhelming, I'm coming around. Yeah. Grainsmith, I don't know what you were going for, but yeah. job well done, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. What else did these guys make? <laughs> let's, let's see if you I know, can find I out. I, while you're looking that up, I did check agave is basically glucose and fructose, so it's highly fermentable. Yeah, that makes um, sense. But it but it will leave behind, you know, a little bit of flavor yeah. along with it. Yeah. So I'm not seeing so I wonder anything if, other than Grainsmith associated with this. Uh, anything other than this or Well, yeah. Grainsmith wasn't the name of the beer. No, it was it Grainsmith was the brewery, wasn't it? Supposedly. It's in Untapped <laughs> as the beer titled Chai Pineapple Stout by the brewery Grainsmith. But Grainsmith does not have any other beer listed in untapped this is so That's weird extremely yeah. weird yeah i don't know I, <laughs> I don't know i feel like it's something that um bob would have come up with yeah in the emmets group you, you know, know what that's not impossible <laughs> i mean if you think i mean this is it possible that this was a home brewer out of wisconsin that just had a relationship with whitebird <laughs> And just called him up and Maybe? said, "Hey, can I make a batch on your on your system? You know, can we uh, can we get a mobile can in here? Uh, I'll design the artwork. We'll slap a label on these cans and you know send it out to uh, Fresh Market in Virginia, where where Mister George can, can buy a six pack. <laughs> oh wait, like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What what, uh, what store did uh, did Hannah buy this at? It was called Lidl. Lidl. Okay. Yeah." Yeah, they're they're kind of up and down the East Coast. I think they're they're heading out more into the into the country right now. They're pretty much on the East Coast, but yeah, so, yeah, that's a lot of effort to go through just to punk me with a beer. I but don't know if I'm, that's if that's what somebody did. Bravo! <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, Grainsmith. All right, you got a you got a live review on a nice place to brew. <laughs> Cheers! Cheers. What else are you worried? If I, if anyone from Grainsmith, or if the person from Grainsmith ends up here in this recording, I have a question. What else are you working on? Yeah, because I mean, I'm intensely curious. Me too. Like, you got a chai pineapple stout. You know, I imagine you've got some mad scientist experiments going on in your in your brew house right now, and I'd be interested to hear what. Yeah, and you know what's really funny is I realized as you were going down that ingredients list that I have most of those ingredients. I have chai tea, I have cocoa nibs, I have coconut water. The only thing I don't have is agave. Is agave? <laughs> you could get agave yeah. without any problem. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the question is, do I want to make five gallons of whatever the hell that was? <laughs> you know? <laughs> If I can issue a challenge to you, I would challenge you to make a better beer with chai. And you can do Ooh, it. that is a challenge. Yeah. Okay. And it's been said on the air, so this is a, this is a thing. Okay, you're throwing down the gauntlet. I'm throwing a Got gauntlet it. down, right. that's right. All right, so then that raises just a whole host of questions of... 
do I want to make it a stout? Do I want to make it a like a try to put agave and not agave, but chai in like an amber ale or something like that? Ooh, all right, I'm gonna have to think about that one. Think about this too. How about a scotch ale? A scotch ale. Yeah, it's interesting. That's interesting, and maybe maybe the because what do you think that chai was a secondary addition? Being that it's a it's a back flavor, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So, I mean, that raises some possibilities that I could, you know, make a five gallon batch of say a Scotch ale, and then do a and then play around with a gallon of a secondary and just bottle it. You know, that's a thought. Maybe that's a thought. All right, now you got my head, you know, going, and that's not exactly what I meant when I said let's talk about what we want to experiment with but <laughs> it's kind of in the alley. <laughs> I, I think this is the most natural segue that we may may have ever done on this show. <laughs> right, absolutely. So well, we talked about the, the brew day and how that went and, and I think it went well and we're, we're probably going to do more. It might not be the same beer. You know, We might not make the same beer. But I think we'll probably do more kind of dueling brew days and do some live streams and try to bring other people into the process. I'm all for it. Um, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Hopefully I don't have to worry about the elements as badly as I did this past time. <laughs> <laughs> We're heading into, to, a, into a safer time of the year, so I think that's I think it's going to be all right. It's true. Yeah. We need to install an exhaust fan in your garage so you can brew with your garage door closed. Yeah, yeah, that would and help. Just ex- you know, yeah. yeah. I did have my space heater out there. Did you? Yeah, I, but, I but even so, with, yeah. with that out there, I mean, you have to keep the garage door at least cracked. You know, other than that, right. you know, then you got, you know, a huge hazard there. But, yes, that would be nice. An exhaust fan, I definitely would keep more heat. It would be uh, it would be easier to brave the elements. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So. Yeah, for sure. More dueling, we'll, more dueling brew days. I am all for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, my fermentation, what about you? I think you got into fermentation a day before I did. I pitched um, on Monday. Yeah, I pitched on Tuesday. Oh, you did. So, oh, mm-hmm. will you just need the extra time to ca- uh, to just collect everything? Yeah, I wanted collect some extra time to collect collect all the troop and make sure everything settled out. Okay, um, and then uh, and then yeah, I pitched on Tuesday. So I think by the weekend it'll probably be done. Did you, what do you think? You, did you do a starter? I. Did yes, you did. I did do a start. How long? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, it was about a day and a half. Day and a half. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was right at two so. days. Okay. So, do you do the same um, the the same post starter process that I do? You cold crash your um, uh, flask and then decant off. Mm-hmm. You do absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh-huh. we're doing we're, we're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I put it in my uh, keyser for a little while. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. I mm-hmm. uh, I do have an embarrassing confession to make. Um, I did lose a stir bar with uh, into the into the into the. Um, uh, well, you can recover it. Y- y- uh, y- you know what? No, I'm sorry, I misspoke. You know what? I just I'm lagering a Oktoberfest right now, and I just I just crossed the two two brew days. Um, I lost a stir bar in the starter that I made for the Oktoberfest. Uh, so I've done. 
that fermented start to finish with a stir bar mixed in with the uh, trube at the bottom. <laughs> eh, that's all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Hopef- no, I've done that too. Hopefully it'll be the last time, but it was my first, hopefully the last. Well, you just have to remember to recover it at the end. So That's what I did yeah. yesterday. Because I oh okay because I transferred it to a secondary and it's and it's starting to crash down to lager temps. Okay. So, old forty seven is cooling down five degrees each day right now. <laughs> old forty seven. Old forty seven. Oh man. <laughs> so yeah, to, this show uh, f- is going to be all about experimentation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got some ideas. I I kind of have an idea of what. Some things that I want to try. It's been some things I've been knocking around in my head, but I'm curious, what is you kind of on your list of things to experiment with? So I may have um, broken mine down a little bit different uh, than yours. I've got five. Uh, I've got five things I like to experiment with, and oh, wow. they're and they're less um, they're less driven by you know curiosities. They're more. Um, they're more a list of things that I want to grow into and be able to to do. That these are th- these five things are mostly some advanced level um, uh, home brewer points. Um, George um, himself has done a number of these, at least at least one of these on his own. Um, these these are just things that I. These are less experiments to me and more of, like, goals for me as far okay. as the things that I want to do. Um, I guess uh, I'll start I'll start, where I'll start off with an interesting one. Now, uh, this is one that neither you or I have, have done before, but this topic just intrigues me greatly, and I very much like the idea that I could um, uh, do something with this at a later time. And I'm talking about the topic of open-air fermentation. Yeah, that's that's number one on mine too. No sour kidding. beers. Yeah. Oh, sour man. beers and, and a cool ship. Uh doing a doing a cool ship and collecting wild yeast and creating a sour beer that way. I'm fascinated by that. I I, I mean it, and I'm not a sour guy, I know you're not either, but knowing what I'm going through to get fermentation to start right now, just the concept that I would not have to do that and just, you know, and leave it into like an open area where yeast could, you know, collect itself and find itself is fascinating yeah i mean like i'm I'm reading the uh you know the four books the water yeast hops malt yeah books i'm reading the yeast book right now and reading through that it's like yeast is everywhere okay and if you just leave you know because some of the first beers that were produced were produced through spontaneous fermentation and they were only consistent because they were only they were always kind of uh, produced in the same place, so the same yeast was around. And originally, they thought that fermentation is just something that happened, kind of thing, you know. And and it, it's it's all that wild yeast in the air and everything. And I think it's a, especially living where I am. I imagine there's yeast all over the place. Oh, I would think and so. I, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's that's something that definitely intrigues me as well. Nice, we got crossover yeah. already. That's awesome. Yeah, how many you uh, do you have? Uh, three. You got three. Okay, okay. Yeah, you want me to plow on mm-hmm. for uh, next one? 
Yeah, man, have at it. Okay, you just mentioned your yeast book, and I'm going to stick with the topic of yeast here. Yeast cultivation. Okay. <laughs> yes? More crossover. More crossover, yeast okay. Re- <laughs> ye- yeast reclamation and, uh, and, you know, recreating recipes with the same yeast culture. That's on my list as well. I feel like you and I are both so close on this one, being that we're, that we're both doing starters. We're both using fermentation vessels that give us the ability to pull off the trub at will. I mean, geez. I mean, we've got everything at our fingertips to be able to cultivate yeast. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the, the biggest thing for me is getting some equipment and being able to separate the yeast from the trube. And, you know, some cold crashing and such will uh, will do that, but really being able to separate and clean that yeast is, for me, a, a big thing. Agreed. Agreed. That, and mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that, that's right where I'm at, too. I, that's the point that I need to learn. So, all right. Yeah. That's all the yeast ones that I have. So okay, I think for this too. topic, I think we're I think <laughs> yeast we're good we're good. Yeah, I mean, long story short, we want to do more with yeast, and you in this case, at least I think, have a leg up from me because you have that brewery right across the street that I'm sure by this point has opened its yeast lab, right? I don't know. I know it was talked about for quite some time, and yeah, granted, I don't spend as much time at my neighborhood brewery as I certainly should. I do feel like I'm spoiled. I have a brewery that's literally right across the street from my house. I don't go very often. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yeah. I'm a bad neighbor. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) I can't. There's nothing else I can say. I'm a bad neighbor. (laughs) Well, and I'm wondering if, you know, because uh, we've talked with them before, and they were willing to do some stuff with, uh, uh, you know, working with homebrew clubs and things like that. I wonder if they would be willing to, like, work with you on yeast reclamation and cleaning and things like that. Couldn't hurt to ask. Yeah, right? Right here it's in the neighborhood. Right, a- right across the street. Yeah. 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 All right, what's your third one? So my third one kind of relates to something that I started a little while ago, but I never really got to take off because I need to do a lot more with uh, electric brew setups and being able to uh, control things that way because controlling this via propane is possible but difficult, and that's uh, brewing automation. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being able to use... You're going to get there. I mean, you have the engineer's mindset just by nature. Yeah, it's it's something that I think I I am eventually absolutely going to do. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take. And, you know, so it's a, like I said, um, I've been playing around with things like BrewPy and other systems like that. Because, you know, I could easily go out and buy one of the kind of pre-made systems, but... It goes back to that whole thing I talked about in the last podcast of, you know, I have, like, kind of the tinkerer's mindset and kind of want to play with it and figure out sure how it works and not just get something that works. You know what I mean? That's a great one. George's Electric Brewery. <laughs> so I'm guessing there's no cross... Um, <sighs> 
not not nah. for, not for that one. I, I mean, okay. I'm with you on a number of levels with that. Um, I love the idea of a more automated brewer uh, brewer setup here. Um, I also know that I am significantly more limited in terms of my um, knowledge of electricity and ability to quote unquote tinker, as you uh, mm. as you described. So I, I feel like that's a that, that's a bridge that may be a little too tall for me, at least single handedly. So if okay, if um, well, maybe once I get it figured out, I can I can help you if that's something that you want to do. Maybe that's something. Maybe that's something to look at. Yeah. yeah. But more automation, I'm totally on board with, and and I I do. I mean, there's no doubt you're going to get there before before I I do, and you'll you'll probably. I mean, not not even knowing how far this is going to go, but you'll definitely end up educating me on a lot of these areas. Oh well, I mean, it, you know, that would just be by virtue of my doing it first, basically. Right. And, right. Yeah. And but yeah, I mean, I definitely want to pass on that whatever I learn to you and everything so i'm i'm totally fine with that yeah 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 okay all right other things um mm-hmm. i like that we kind of went in with this with the same mindset about uh things that we wanted to experiment with so you had you had some advanced brewers items on yours and that's exactly how i built mine okay so this is uh no this is coming together well um okay here's my third one I want to build a custom mash tun with a manifold. Oh, that's interesting. So, like, what kind of custom mash? Do you want to do, a, like, a cooler, a stick with, like, a cooler style? Yeah. Or do you want to do yeah. a kegel? Or? No, I, I, would, okay. I would stick with the cooler. But um, the fact that my coolers are only 10 gallons creates some limitations for me. Um, okay. Like, I can't, you know, I can't make a 5-gallon batch, you know, above a certain ABV level because... You've seen this before too. At a certain um, at a certain gra- uh, um, grain weight, you just run out of room at the top of the uh, at the top of the cooler to fill water. For sure, it's happened to me. Yeah, it yeah. has. So, what do you end up doing? You ended up you end up sacrificing your sparge, or making less you know less of a batch, or you can cheat and you can go partial extract. That's the other way around that. Mm-hmm. So you, or sh- or sugars, you know. Exactly. You can circumvent yeah. all that by um by having a larger mash tun, but the problem is that all the commercially sized mash tons max out at 10 gallons. So mm. if you want to go above 10 gallons, get ready to custom make something. Got fabricate something. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Now you can find coolers out there in retail stores that are 15, 20 gallons. I think some of you are even more than 20 gallons, if I remember correctly. Um, and the trick to that is, number one, uh, making a manifold, which would ap- uh, replace your false bottom out of PVC uh, tubing, and also just getting the right, uh, the right fittings to make a metal spigot out of, uh, out of the side of it. Mm-hmm. So I actually know more, hmm. about, more about making those than I gave myself credit for because I thought it was a pretty good description. Yeah, and I was been, I was thinking about that, and um, I recently did some plumbing work in my house, and they actually do make threaded to, and they make half inch threaded to PVC adapters. 
like it's one piece so you could use a regular kind of ball gate um like we do on our mash tons now and then as it goes through the wall convert to using that adapter piece to your pvc for your manifold oh Mm -hmm. okay huh (laughs) yeah so that would be great yeah because um i used one of those coming off of a uh uh, it was actually coming out of a water filter, going in and out of a water filter. It was a one-inch piece, but it was basically the same concept. It was a uh, screw on one side, and then uh, it was just straight PVC, you know, push-in on the other side. Hmm. Yeah. So, like but that it. one would be the most interesting part in my head for that one is uh, you're gonna have to work up a custom equipment profile on that one yeah figure out how much heat absorption you have and all that stuff yeah i think i think i've got enough of a knowledge base i can get that done oh i oh i'm sure you do yeah and i agree i just you know but to your point it's not something i've had to deal (laughs) with because you know i've had the same uh i've been using the same setup for a very long time and building equipment Mm -hmm. profiles is one of those things that you kind of only do once Unless you do a right. significant upgrade on your system that changes the dynamic of what you're doing, yeah, so, for sure. So yeah, no, I feel like that's the the easiest part of making that transition would be the equipment profile. Mm, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting All ideas right. just seeing this now. This this may mm. be this may become a reality sooner than later. Yeah, so. yeah, and yeah, I I I and I totally get why you're thinking about doing that oh totally yeah yeah okay okay so you have one more right i have two more two more two more okay so number four um this is the one that you've done so far that i have not i want to build a keezer oh yeah okay yeah um old 47 is awesome um but old 47 maxes out at two kegs and mm-hmm. right now I've got a five-gallon carboy that takes up part of that space. There fortunately is enough room over to the side of it for one of my kegs. Um, and there's no tap handles that I've drilled into old 47, and she's a little too precious to drill into and make uh, and put tap <laughs> handles into, so I, just, I don't see that happening. Um, I do feel like old 47's ideal usage would be a lagering chamber. Um, mm. and if I were to go that route, which I think would be a good one, I need a home for my kegs. So Keezer would be the way to go. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. So, um, back to the tinkerer's brain and the engineering mindset. That's uh, getting a Keezer together is a bit of a reach for me. Now I may have some other there may be more Keezer options out there for me to just go and purchase than some of the other things that we've talked about. Um, well, you saw what I did, right? No, I mean, I mean, I've seen the finished product, but I've never, I didn't see how you put it together. Okay, so you know, I did I, what a number of people have done. I mean, it's not anything super complicated, to be honest. You know, what I did was I disconnected the lid from the. Um, from the actual chest freezer itself and then i um built a collar 
a wood collar that out of two by fours basically that goes on top uh that sits on top of the uh chest freezer and then connected the lid to that collar so that's what it started off with was a uh, as was a chest freezer right yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's just a standard standard chest freezer. You put the collar on, you drill through the collar for your tap handles, and you drill a hole for your uh, air supply line, your, your CO2 supply line that goes into the manifold. And and then you just put the lid on top, and that's basically it. Like, it's not really um, anything super complicated when it comes to that. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the nice part about chest freezers is they're so well insulated in the fact that the air in there is super cold. You could basically run them with the lid off and they would be just as efficient. I mean, obviously not completely, but, you know, they would be they would still be very efficient. So the collar, you really don't have to worry about, like, insulating it or anything. It really is a negligible difference. Hmm. You know what? Strangely enough, I've never owned a chest freezer before, so maybe this is less of a reach than I thought it would be. I think you, I think you could do this. Yeah, I think I, I put mine together in basically like a weekend. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I kind of went an extra step and I stained the different pieces of the collar, and then I used a jig and drilled from the inside so you couldn't see any of the screws and everything because I kind of really wanted to make it look nice. Yeah, um, and it does. But, no, you, know, you, did a, you did a great job with that. It looks very cool. Yeah, I think you could, uh, and I really love the idea of you know, turning 47 into you know just a dedicated lagering thing because then you could keep things in there, like your Oktoberfest. Right, right. You know, you could keep it in there until October. Th- that may know? end up being what happens, too. But, yeah. you know, that's less room I have for kegs. Hence, it's True. where I got to go. So Yeah. All right. All right. Number four. All right. Get, making my way to the last one. And this is going okay. to be your favorite. Because you and okay. I have talked about this for years. And we've never done this before. Any guesses? Oh, geez. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a um, hint. I, I, half, a I halfway thought that you were going to come to the table with this. I'm, I'm relieved, though, that you haven't. Because this is going to be great. Huh. Um, no, I can't think of anything. Wow, okay. I'm, sh- I'm sure when you say it, I'm going to be like, oh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Well, you know how, all right, I'm just, I'm going to tease this and then you're, you're just, you're going to pick it up. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. you and I have spent a lot of time at a little store called Chicago Brew Works. True. Now, one of the things that, um, is special about Chicago Brewworks is the way that they sell certain grains, which creates a lot of leftovers, which tended to accumulate over a very long period of time. Because every it usually turns into some sort of Franken brew. Exactly. There you go. You want to do a Franken brew? Make it a Franken beer. Yes, <laughs> I want. I have so many specialties. Oh my god! Here. I, I'm. I've. I've got like no end to my specialty grains, and it's all because they're all sold in those one-pound bags. If you need four ounces of something, you're left buying a pound. That's twelve yeah. ounces left that you're still carrying until you figure out what to do with it. <laughs> and who wants to like brew the same thing no, so you can yeah. use up your specialty yeah, grains? Exactly. You know, no, it just doesn't happen. No. Yeah. So, so yes, 
Yeah, I mean, I've never gone as I've never sat down and built a recipe around my leftover specialty grains. And as one I'm, of those experiments <laughs> that is either going to be phenomenal or just dear god what have i done oh it's you know? oh, listen it'll probably be awful i mean because i mean <laughs> it, think of a beer where you have little to no base grain in it what in the world do you have well i figure with a franken brew you gotta at least have a at least some base grain i mean how much sick i mean I do you go to, i mean for a franken beer do you go down to 50 percent yeah, I think so. Okay, all yeah, right. Because usually, right. at base you're at like eighty percent or something like that. But oh, yeah, yeah, go down to fifty percent. The rest is <laughs> assorted specialty grains. <laughs> what would think about it like this? What would a beer with fifty percent pale malt and like thirty five percent caramel sixty taste like? Oh, jeez, I have no <laughs> idea. That's one scenario. Feel- Just think about that. I feel like it would be like on the verge of an amber kind of brownish ale and it would probably taste fairly sweet if I had day gas because I think that's going to end pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. You think there's, there's a lot of unfermentables in that? In the in, there's a, There tends to be a lot of unfermentables in those specialty grains, which is why you want to do like a lot of the base grain. Okay, so, that do, that does make sense. So yeah, you may be left with a very sweet yeah. beer-ish. You might be, might yeah. be a four or five percent beer with yeah with, with your <laughs> with your final gravity like ten forty or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> so so all right, that's. That's experimentation, according to Jason and George. Yeah, and a lot of the same ideas, and some of my ideas don't seem that far out of reach now that we're talking about it, which I feel pretty no, good about. No, it's just yeah. If you you know what they say, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Gee, where have I heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You ready for a trivia question? Oh, yes, sure. I did. I, I came prepared. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to or not. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a packaging question, and it's come up on the show before. I work for a packaging company, so uh, when I see questions related to bottles or um, glasses or, or anything like that, that kind of stands, stands out to me. And this, uh, th- uh, this episode's trivia question is going to be around beer cans. Okay. And the trivia question is... What year were beer cans invented? And I got four choices for you. Okay. Is it 1881? Is it 1910? Is it 1935? Or is it 1978? I'm going to say 35. The answer is 35. You got it. All right. So here's a little history here. Um, I've got, there were three standout events related to beer cans in 1935, and we'll go in sequence. In January 1935, the first beer cans flat topped, filled, uh, filled with, uh, filled by Kruger's Ale and Kruger's Beer were sold in none other than Richmond, Virginia. Oh. 
That was the Go introduction. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> say it here. I, I somehow took this out. Kruger's Ale and Kruger's Beer uh, were brewed in New Jersey. So okay. they were filled in cans so that they could be sold in Richmond. That's how that came to be. Okay. Uh, fast forward to July of 1935. True Blue Beer and Ale appears in cans made by a national can company. That's the can manufacturer. The second canning company to enter the market. Um, then later in September of 1935, Schlitz appears on the first cone top can made by Continental Can Company, a third can company to end the to enter the fray of beer cans. What is a cone topped can? That's a good question. I'll have to Google that one. But here's here's an interesting thing for reference about 1935 and how this came to be. Um, think of it in terms of prohibition. Prohibition ended in 1933, so this came online right. less than two years after the end of prohibition, which is interesting. You <laughs> almost wonder if this may have been invented during prohibition and was just kind of kept under wraps until it was over, and then quietly made its introduction into the mainstream after that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to you here in chat here, Jason. This is. Uh you, you you might find it interesting where I found the oh, uh, shit. one of the first things that came up for cone top can. <laughs> I have never seen one of these before. <laughs> the first, um, so I'm not completely obtuse. The first uh, thing that came up when I searched cone top cam was Jason, the company that Jason works for, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know. I, I've never seen one of those before no. either, but what it kind of reminds me of is like the old, old style oil cans. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. That's interesting. Yes, G- George's point. I do work for this company. I'm not certain <laughs> if my company has ever sold this can before. This may be sitting <laughs> sitting in the back of a warehouse and it's been back there for a couple of years. I don't know. Since like 1935 or something <laughs> yeah, like that. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're totally right though about that uh, about the um, um, the the style of an old oil can because they they were structured right. like that. Mm-hmm. They just came up over the can and came to a point. Yeah, it just seems strange to be so, drinking beer out of one of those. It it does. I agree. Yeah. So <laughs> there you have it. 1935 right. was. The invention and or the introduction of the aluminum beer can into the brewing market. Nice. There you go. So, all right. So, as we're uh, wrapping up here, um, I want to go ahead and just kind of throw out our, our social media here real quick. Yeah. Check us out on Facebook at Nice Place to Brew. Check us out on Instagram at A Nice Place to Brew. George and I took a healthy number of pictures during our brew day um, this past weekend. So uh, take a look at uh, take a look at the page, see see what we got going on, and uh, yeah, keep an eye on our pages. Give us a like. And we're starting to kind of head into the foray of uh, of YouTube, as we mentioned at the stop at the top of this. We're uh, doing this episode of the podcast as a YouTube live chat. And uh, I think that's going to become a regular thing for us, um, that we're going to be recording our podcast kind of live. And um, 
you know, and having it, you know, being able to interact with you guys in real time, if, if that's something that you're interested in. Our YouTube uh, presence is uh, a nice place to brew, uh, easy enough to find. And so feel free to subscribe there. We're going to make sure that we can put up some videos and things like that. And uh, just real quick, also, our website, a aniceplacetobrew.com, has been kind of restructured a little bit. We have the all the po- all all the podcasts up to the most recent one are on there, and we have a new section to keep an eye out for called Tips from the Semi Pros that we're going to start to populate with uh, articles and videos and uh, pictures and things like that to kind of give people some thoughts that we have on how to. Uh, you know, do basic brewing things or how to uh, get to the next level of your of your home brewing. So we're not just broadcasters. We are now writers as well. It's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to that. No, it's, um, you know, George and I have built up, you know, a knowledge over, over the years of, uh, of home brewing. We're still learning all the time, too. And I think, uh, I think writing is going to... Um, is going to give us a place where we can share the knowledge that we not only have gained but continue to gain, and I think there's a lot uh, there's a lot that can be taken from that. So keep an eye on the website www.aniceplacetobrew.com. And uh, one last thing before uh, before we head out, um, give us a review. Mm-hmm. Give us a give us a review on iTunes, on Stitcher, on uh, Google Play, Google Podcast, whatever your uh, your method is. Uh, reviews really go a long way to help the show. And uh, really makes a big difference. So if you have a minute, go on your platform, give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. We would. It really. The, any feedback you have would really. We would really appreciate it. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Say if you've made it this far, thank you for sticking with us. Absolutely. And uh, you know, we're, I think next time we're gonna be doing this. I'm not sure if it's gonna be a week or two weeks, but. We'll let you guys know, and uh, you know we'll have something new and interesting to talk yeah, about. Keep it on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Cool. All, All right. right, let's raise a glass. It takes a All lot right. of good beer to make great beer. Cheers! Cheers. Cheers.